0: Mistake number two is finding the exact same problem in your virtual market. So you're literally thinking the grass is going to be greener on the other side to find the same grass, right?
1: This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling.
0: You're listening to the Wholesaling Inc. Podcast. I'm your virtual wholesaling coach, Lauren Hardy. And in today's podcast episode, I am going to share with you the top four things I look at when I pick a virtual market. When I'm virtual wholesaling and this comes from years of experience some failed markets some successful markets and over 350 students Seeing their markets that they pick so i've got some solid advice in this podcast episode You need to listen to it all the way to the end I share the common mistakes that I see people make when going virtual and picking their territory And I share with you what you need to look for. I have four items that are non-negotiable for me. So make sure you keep listening. So I'm going to first share with you a couple mistakes that I see. These are mistakes that I've seen over and over again. So I thought it was important to start this podcast with the two key mistakes I see people make the most. So mistake number one is you trade one problem in for another problem. So typically... This is the person who decides to go virtual because they have a problem in their current market and they're looking to fix this problem. So that problem could be that the market's too competitive, The market is just too high priced and highly saturated with buyers. An example of that type of market would be like Orange County, California, or you know New Jersey, New York, Seattle, those high priced, highly saturated competitive markets, right? So you've got a problem. Another example could be maybe your market is just a little bit too small and you've kind of capped it out because it's a smaller market. Maybe the population is 150,000 in the whole county and you've sort of capped out you know, your marketing list. You don't have any more people to market to. So you want to go to a bigger market, right? So it starts with the problem and you're looking to fix that problem by going virtual. But the problem then you find is you just traded it in for another problem because the next market you picked has another issue, has another problem. So I call it trading in one problem for another. Let me give you an example, and I'll use a student that I have currently. Love this guy, not picking on him at all. Uh, but it was exciting because it gave me a moment, you know, to give him some direction. He originally was in a market that was right outside of Chicago. It was like a suburb outside of Chicago. I don't even know the name of it, to be honest. It doesn't even matter. It was a smaller market, and he was doing very, very well. Like he was wholesaling houses pretty regularly, but he was running out of people to market to because the area was small and he wanted to grow. He wanted to do more volume. So he decided to go virtual. So he got into my coaching program. And at first he had in mind these markets that he's just sort of seen on the news that are doing very, very well. You know, they happen to be in Florida, right? And Florida's super hot right now. And so he picked some very, you know, highly saturated very, very hot markets in Florida, thinking that, you know, that's so different from the market that he's currently in. There is going to be more people, there's, you know, a bigger population base. So he's solving his problem. But what he doesn't realize, and this is where the experience comes in that I brought in, is that he's now just trading one problem in for another. So in his current market, it's not that saturated with competition because it's a less known market. I mean, it's so less known that I can't even remember the name of it, right? So it's not highly competitive. And he's not used to competition. He's really not used to talking to a seller and having six other wholesalers he has to you know, bid against, right? He's not used to that. He's used to running out of sellers to market to. He's used to maybe having a harder time finding end buyers, but he's not used to acquisition type issues or lead generation type issues. So what I told him is, you're going to go to Florida. You are going to go to Tampa or whatever the market was. I'm pretty sure it was Tampa. And now you're going to run into acquisition issues that you're not used to experiencing and you're not going to like it. I'll tell you what, acquisition issues are the worst. I would say of all the issues, that is a problem that if you're not used to dealing with it, you're not used to a lot of competition It's pretty hard to get used to it. And I said, You're just trading in one problem for another. So, my advice to him was, Why don't you just find another market right next to you, another suburb, another smaller suburb that you know that's closer to you? You, You're still virtual. You know, it's probably a couple hours away, but it's not, you know, all the way in Florida and it's not this highly saturated market. So, you're not really trading in that one problem for another, right? So, that's the first mistake. And I see this a lot. Mistake number two is finding the exact same problem in your virtual market. So you're literally thinking the grass is going to be greener on the other side to find the same grass, right? You're literally leaving one market to go virtual, and then you literally are encountering the same exact problem. Just, you know, now it's four hours away from your house. You have to actually get on a plane to go there, right? Let me give you an example on what I mean by that. So I had a friend give me a call. He's in Atlanta, and he goes, you know, Atlanta is so saturated. Every deal I've got, like five wholesalers calling the same seller that I'm talking to, and it's just so saturated. And my deal flow is less. It's getting harder to close deals. I'm having to market to more sellers to, you know, get that one lead to close that deal. You know, I think I just need to go to uh, another market. I need to go to another market. And so he picks Oklahoma City. He goes, I heard you're in Oklahoma City, and you know, I'm thinking of just going there. I'm thinking it might be better there. And I laugh. I go, I'm having the same problem in Oklahoma city. So you're literally just going to now have to work harder to do the same deal volume that you're used to in Atlanta. Cause I guarantee there's probably not much difference from Atlanta to Oklahoma city, or at least maybe the outskirts of Atlanta to Oklahoma city. So in that situation, I said, why don't you just get outside of Atlanta? And go to the suburbs of Atlanta, go kind of around Atlanta, go to the areas that are a little less known, a little less on the map than Atlanta. So, again, that second mistake is you're, you're not really solving your problem at all. You're just kind of finding the same problem. And you're going to be very frustrated because you put a lot of work and effort into going to that market. It, it's, it's a lot of effort to go virtual. So, what do you look for when you're going virtual? Let's get into the four things that I like to make sure my market has. So the first thing that I like to look for is the proof of concept. So what is the proof of concept? What I mean by that is that you want to see other people wholesaling houses at the volume that you want to do. They proved that concept for you in that territory. So if you go to that territory and say you're you're looking on Facebook at their local Facebook Real Estate Investment Association and you see a bunch of active wholesalers it's obvious that's a good sign right that's the proof of concept but if you go and you can't find any wholesalers you know you might even go as far as posting on a few different sites local facebook real estate investment associations or even the national facebook groups like at the wholesaling inc facebook group for example and you can't find anybody who's actively wholesaling at the volume you want to do that might be a problem. You might not have the proof of concept. So an example in my career was Tulsa, Oklahoma about five years ago. So several years ago, I went to Oklahoma City as one of my markets and we were doing very well. And Tulsa just happened to be right next door. It was only about an hour and a half drive. It was very similar to Oklahoma City in numbers and population and average house price. So I thought, no brainer, this would be so easy. But I could not find active wholesalers there. The only thing I heard from others, say flippers, landlord buyers, is they'd say, you know, a wholesaler may come around but they don't last long here. And I'm not sure why. But wholesalers really don't hang out in Tulsa for some reason. It's funny that just Tulsa at that time was just very behind the curve as far as wholesaling goes. They were a little prehistoric, I guess. Now, times have changed. So we stuck it out. and We stayed in Tulsa. But I will say that it was very difficult because I didn't have wholesalers to collaborate and joint venture with. You need some wholesale activity. A little bit of competition is good, especially when you collaborate together. And I didn't have that. So we were stubborn. We stuck it through. But I will say that I've been in four different markets since then. And that was one of the hardest markets we've ever broken into because we didn't have the proof of concept. So I recommend finding the proof of concept because you need to find that joint venture partner to first work with, which is one of my number one rules. When you go virtual, you need to start working with a joint venture partner. If you don't do this step, it is going to be a very long learning curve for you. So please listen to that advice. Find the proof of concept so you can find that joint venture partner that you can work with. So the next thing I look for is average house price within the county. Of your virtual territory of interest. So there's two ways to go about your wholesaling business. I call it squirrel hunting and elephant hunting. Squirrel hunting is where you are going to have smaller deals, but more of them, more volume. Elephant hunting is less volume, bigger deals. And in my opinion, you usually end up making about the same amount of money. Personally, for me, I'm a squirrel hunter. I like lots of little checks. I like seeing a pipeline. I like knowing that I'm getting a check every week or a couple checks every week. That personally works for me and my psychology because I have bills to pay. I have two kids. I have responsibilities. So psychologically, I like seeing that I'm getting paid more frequently. I don't like going three months to wait for that $70,000 check. Because for three months, I'm going to think, what if this deal doesn't go through? So if you are squirrel hunting and you've got that same mentality I do, then I like to stay within the average house price range of 130000 to 200000 Now, markets change, things change. Now, if you're a little bit above or a little bit below, that's okay, but I'm just giving you some guardrails. 130000 to 200000 average house price within the county. How do you find that? The way you find that is you can go on Google and search average house price of, insert the county of interest, okay? So average house price, Philadelphia. Average house price, Columbus, Ohio. And I like to reference the Zillow house page, or what is it called? The Zillow market research page, whatever it is. You'll see it. Go ahead and Google it right now. You'll see it. And it's a pretty thorough page. It talks about the average house price and some statistics within that market. That's my favorite place to look for the average house price. Now, if you are an elephant hunter, good for you. You're a little bit more flexible. You can go above 200000 you know, I, I see most Elephant hunters stay out of anything above 500,000. Anything above 500,000 starts getting hypersaturated. Now you're talking the really high-price markets. Seattle, New Jersey, Rhode Island, it gets harder to play in that pond. If that is something you wanna do, more power to you. Um, I know a lot of house flippers that do very well or value add type developers, they do very well in markets like that. Uh, But for the sake of this, we are talking about wholesaling. So let's stick with that. And that takes me to my third piece of advice when finding your virtual market, population size within the county or metro. So I don't want to go anywhere that's too rural. I want to see that there's at least 150000 within the county. Now, $150,000 will not get you that far. I mean, that's still actually pretty small. So I also like to make sure that there's some neighboring counties that I can work when I exhaust my subject county, which will happen inevitably as you start closing more deals and gaining more momentum, you are going to want to expand. And for the fourth piece of advice in finding a virtual market is follow the buyer trends in your market. So as real estate markets heat up, as you go through the market cycle, and you are now at the top or close to the top of the market, the major metros become very saturated. And buyers will start looking outside of the metro because they're having an inventory problem. They're having a hard time finding deals that make sense in cash flow. This is the same with buyers that are just buying for their personal residence as well as institutional buyers, hedge funds, landlords, they wanna find more deals and the major metros become more difficult because the demand is high, the price, which drives the price up, and there's just less supply. So they have to look in areas that they maybe didn't consider before the market started heating up. And I've seen this personally in my own wholesale business. We had buyers, that wouldn't look at properties outside of you know Oklahoma City proper. And now they are so much more open-minded because they can't make sense out of the deals that are coming out of that territory. So buyer trends are going outside of the major metros. They're going to the suburbs outside, especially with, you know, the COVID pandemic, more people are moving outside the metros to get more space at a better price. So follow the buyer trends, pull within PropStream, pull a list of, you know, buying activity, the absentee owner activity within the last six months and see how many absentee owners are purchasing outside the metros and find those zip codes where you're seeing that there's maybe more than 20 purchases in the last six months by absentee owners. And that's going to tell you, you know, that this is in territory. This is a zip code that buyers are going, that investors are going and market to those areas rather than, you know, the hottest point of the metro. So that concludes the four things I look for when choosing a virtual market. I hope you guys liked it. Hopefully you got a lot of practical information out of this. It's my goal to always give you practical information that you can take and use in your business with every piece that I do. If you are looking to go virtual, I want to help you. Go ahead and check out www.virtualinvestingmastery.com where I have an amazing group of people, amazing group of students, and I've helped a lot of people take their business um, from you know their backyard to their virtual territory and I want to help you. So make sure you check that website out. Thank you so much and I will see you next time.